Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Gamberino, 
מלחמות קשות, רדיפות כואבות, בכל זמן, בכל מקום. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. עלילות שקרים, צוררים קשים, שרוצים רק להרוס. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. אז נצא כולנו יחד לחובות העיר, ניקח אוויר עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. השנאה תיפול, הקנאה תחתור, ויגידו אז בקור. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. אז נצא כולנו יחד לחובות העיר, ניקח מלכים גדולים, מדינות ענק ואימפריות כה גדולות כמעט שנעלמו ואנחנו עוד כאן כך אלפי שנים מעטים מורבים ואין ספר של ניסים עם ישראל חי, אנחנו עוד כאן Hello, Papa. Goodbye, Simo. 
Hiroshima, my son. It's the end. Don't say that, Papa. It's not the end. Even at the end, my own son is telling me what to say. <laughs> Simo, my boy, believe me, it's the end. All right, Papa, I believe you. It's the end. Simo, I liked it better when you were arguing with me. Papa, is there anything I can get for you? Yes. One thing before I go. I would like one piece of Mama's delicious apple strudel. It's my last wish. I'll get it for you, Papa. What else could a man want but the taste of Mama's apple strudel on his lips when he goes? I'm a lucky man. I'm back, Papa. Oh, good. The apple strudel. No, Papa. I didn't get it. Mama says you can't have any. What do you mean? Can't have any. She said the strudel is for after the funeral. <laughs> Yeah, it must be the month of Adar here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM. Hello, all. Thanks for tuning in and being part of this amazing radio experience. It is Friday as uh, our listeners um, are very anxious to hear Malcolm Holmline's uh, opinion about what's going on in Israel. He's in Jerusalem right now, and the prime minister is under fire, to say the least. Uh, we will feature that conversation one hour and ten minutes from now, 7.40 Eastern Time this morning. Uh, Malcolm Holmline will join us uh, from Jerusalem and we'll get his perspective on what's happening there and in many other parts of the uh, Jewish world, that's for sure. Um, Simcha Leiner is not Avor. You heard Yaakov Shweki with Birch HaSabai. It's Leviathan with Bowie. Amram Adar with Bowie Kala. Shabbat Shalom done by Diaspora and from Regesh. Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this Rosh Chodesh, February the 16th, the first of Adar, Rosh Chodesh Adar, day number two. All the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh, of course. It's Arif Shabbos Parshas Truma with candle lighting time at 5.12 on this Erev Shabbos. 5.12 official candle lighting time in the New York area. Monday's President's Day. I believe Yoni Pollock is going to be sitting in for the legal holiday this Monday, and I thank him. Uh, I will be in Los Angeles. Looking forward to seeing everybody out in L.A. for the big Monday night event for the Maimonides, uh, for the Gindi Maimonides Academy 50th anniversary celebration, and I am looking forward to it. And there is an amazing lineup. Chazan Helfgott's out there. Baruch Levine is out there. Avramel is out there. Yaakov Shweki is out there. Um, Simcha Liner is out there. It's going to be an amazing concert. 56 degrees outside. Pretty warm for New York in February. Rain today and a high of 56. Tonight, partly cloudy. Low going down to 29. Mostly cloudy for Shabbos and a high of 39 degrees. Yerushalayim's at 60. We're at 56. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM and the AM. Feel free to contact us by commenting on our app. The NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app for Android and iPhone, is active. I want to thank listener Yitzchak for his good morning. I uh, want to thank uh, listener EB for their good morning. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in. And as I always say, being part 
of this uh, radio experience. Um, whenever there's a mass shooting or any type of violence that results in death, uh, that results in murder in this country, really anywhere, all of us uh, certainly uh, pray and keep in mind the victims and their families. And um, I would like to think we pray for everybody, frankly. Um, however, when it's uh, when there's a victim from your own community or somebody you're familiar with, because of uh, other circumstances, it just uh, hits home so much more. And uh, with that in mind, I take this opportunity to extend our heartfelt condolences to the Aladef family, who we know for the last uh, 35 years. Anybody from the New Springville Jewish Center on Staten Island uh, who's been there for any length of time is certainly familiar with the Aladef family. And um, their granddaughter, the daughter of their son, who, who I and so many others in the Staten Island community um, know since he's a little boy, um, their granddaughter among the victims in Florida of the horrific murder spree by the former student who walked into that high school and um, literally just began killing people. So as I say, it's a, uh, it is always, for those of us who are parents, for anybody out there, parents or not, it is always a... Um, Devastating news to hear and always goes straight to the heart. But when you're familiar with uh, with a family that now has lost their child and grandchild, it is just, uh, obviously it hits home even more. So to um, the Aladef family, I'm not sure what else to say other than our deepest condolences, and boy, are we thinking of you since I heard the news about Alyssa's, uh, uh, Alyssa, since I heard the news that Alyssa was among the victims, it has not left my mind, and um, we hope and pray that the family is able to rebound from this, and um, And what else is there to say? 24 minutes before 7 o'clock. It is a Friday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. And uh, we will continue. And as I said, our news, our current events, our analysis of the things that are happening in this world uh, will uh, will happen with Malcolm Honline live from Jerusalem. That's going to be at 7.40 Eastern Time right here at JM in the AM. And we go all the way until 9 o'clock, plus, of course, an amazing day on our network as we can only, as we only can present on an era of Shabbos. Yitzchak Fuchs, he's next. Thanks for tuning in to JM in the AM. Menucha <laughs> 
ים שבתון יום מחמדים שומרה וזוכריו הם המעידים כי לשיש הכל ברורים ועומדים שמי שמיים ארץ וימים כל צבא מרום גבוהים ורמים תמיל ואדם וחיית רמים כי בישם צורון עמים הוא אשר דיבר לעושה גולתו שם עולקות שובבו ועצמתו שבת קודש יום חמדתו כי ראש שבת אל מכל מלאכתו במצוות שבת אל יחליצך קוקרא אליו יחיש לאמצך נשמת כל חי בגם נריצך אכול בשמחה כי כבר רצח ובמשנה לחם וקידוש ברומת עמים ורוח נדירה יזכו לרב טובה מתענגים בה בביאת גורם ולחיי העולם הבא Thank <laughs> you. 
משנה לחבק קידוש רבה ברוחמת עמים ורוח נדיבה יזכו לרב טובה מתענגים בה וליד גואל Mi Mizrahome Hayam Kosofara 
וקלה, לסמכם כל הלילה, כל הלילה, בשירה ובזמרה.
I was Goldberg reporting, sir. Yes, Private. What is it? Well, Major, it's like this. I heard you needed a person for a mission impossible, and here I am. Well, good boy, Goldberg. This is a dangerous and top-secret assignment. Now, first, you'll take a jet. You'll fly at 30,000 feet, and then you'll parachute out over enemy territory. I'll take a jet, and I'll fly it at 30,000 feet, and I'll parachute out. Major, don't worry about a thing. It wouldn't happen. I'm afraid of heights. Hmm, well, I suppose we can get you there by boat. Now, when you get to the enemy campsite, you'll steal one of their camels and ride due east 41 miles to the bridge. Let us review. When I get to the enemy campsite, I'll steal a camel and ride him due east 41 miles to the bridge. Major, don't worry about a thing. It'll never take place. I'm frightened of animals. All right, Goldberg. Uh, you'll walk to the bridge. Now, when you get there, you'll take the 100 pounds of high-explosive TNT, you'll tie it on your back, then you'll tie yourself to one of the main beams under the bridge, and when the enemy tanks are crossing, you'll blow up the bridge. Aha! Now, that's a plan. <laughs> tie the 100 pounds of TNT on my back, then I'll tie myself to the bridge, and when the tanks come, boom! Don't you worry, Major. And I'm not going to worry either, because I'm not going to do it. From the boom alone, I get such a migraine. Private, Private, I, I just don't understand you. You're afraid to fly, you're frightened of animals, you're terrified of high explosives. Why did you come in here in response to my request for a volunteer? Major, I came to tell you that on me, you shouldn't depend. Yeah. J.M. in the A.M., the month of Adar, Friday morning, Rosh Chodesh Adar. Good morning, all. It's the 16th of February, day one in the month of Adar, the second day of Rosh Chodesh. Erev Shabbos, Parsha's Truma, with candle lighting time at 5.12 on this Erev Shabbos here in the New York area. Um, let's see, we're listening to uh, Chaim David Burson with Kulanu Nizamer, Loa Mason, that's Shal Shalas, brand new. Avremo had Achim Banefesh and Yitzchak Fuchs with Menucha Vesimcha here at the JM and the AM. Erev Shabbos Parshas Truma, Monday's President's Day. You know, Monday is my um, my brother's seventh yard site. Uh, and I will not be here Monday, as I said. We'll be in Los Angeles for the um, um, Maimonides School 50th anniversary celebration. That big concert that's happening out there on Monday night at the Will Turn Theater. Uh, each year, though, I do recommend and remind people who might be suffering from heartburn, um, an inordinate or even not an inordinate amount of reflux, uh, that my brother passed away from esophageal cancer, which again, as I say every single year, if you listen to the layman's description of the progression of all of it, it goes from heartburn to... Um, to uh, reflux, to Barrett's, which is what develops in the uh, esophagus, uh, and then, of course, God forbid, to full-blown cancer, in his case, stage 4 cancer when it was discovered, and he was gone from us. Uh, unfortunately, we lost him very, very quickly after that. Many of you remember back in the early part of 2011. 
So in honored memory of uh, Harav Moshe Yona ben Harav Zev Halevi, I ask everybody out there, if you or if you have a spouse, sibling, child, friend who suffers from extreme heartburn or who you might suspect falls into the category that I just described, get a uh, have them get a um, endoscopy. It's a very, very easy, very easy um, preventative measure, uh, a very easy uh, screening, very easy screening. It's called an endoscopy. Speak to your doctor about it. Uh, and I know from these announcements, lives have been saved or at least altered uh, in the positive manner because of these reminders. So in his memory, let's make sure other people are able to live a long and productive life. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com on the NahumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Galitzal in the background. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday. Erev Shabbos follows next. We say Boker Tov, Chodesh Tov from Jam and Anthony. Galitzal, השר יואב גלנט, חבר קבינט המדיני-ביטחוני, מתייחס לתקרית הביטחונית בצפון ואומר, היינו זהירים, אבל בפעם הבאה נוריד את הכפפות. מי שרוצה לשאול את עצמו מה העוצמה של מדינת ישראל, יכול לקבל חוויות מהעניין הזה. אני חושב שהסורים מבינים שזה לא כדאי להם. האיראנים עושים שימוש באדמה סורית כנגד רצון הסורים על מנת להשיג הישגים לעצמם. הם רוצים להשתלט על המזרח התיכון. אנחנו את כל הדברים האלה לא נאפשר. יושב ראש מפלגת יש עתיד, יאיר לפיד, תוקף את ראש הממשלה נתניהו ואומר, הוא לא מסוגל לנהל כעת את המדינה. ראש הממשלה יכול להתפטר, ראש הממשלה יכול לצאת לנבצרות זמנית, מה שהוא רוצה, מה שבטוח שהוא לא יכול לנהל את המדינה בדרך הזו. עובדה היא שבשבוע האחרון, במקום להתעסק במל"טים איראניים, ובמקום להתעסק בזה שהרוסים דורסים את האינטרס הישראלי בסוריה, ואני בעניין האיראני ימינה מראש הממשלה, כל מה שהוא מתעסק בו זה בנאומים ובפוסטים בפייסבוק ובבחיות על מר גורלו. אי אפשר לנהל ככה מדינה. אלפי בני אדם מתכנסים בשעה זו בכיכר הבימה בתל אביב להפגנה נגד השחיתות השלטונית כלשונם. כתבתנו יערה גם איחורי שמעה את המפגינים. העם דורש צדק חברתי! אנחנו דורשים מביבי נתניהו לצאת לנבצרות. אין לו מנדט מוסרי להנהיג מדינה ולהחליט החלטות בשביל האזרחים שלנו. לקחת מיליון שקל מטייקונים, עברת בשבילם הביתה. ראש עיריית כפר סבא, יהודה בן חמו, מואשם במרמה והפרת אמונים. כתבתנו פיי גוטמן. לאחר שנדחו טענותיו בהליך שימוע, עולה מכתב האישום כי יצר מנגנון הונאה שבמסגרתו קיבל תרומות המיועדות לכאורה לנזקקי העיר כפר סבא בסכום של מעל חצי מיליון שקלים. בנוסף, קידם את עסקיו של מקורבו, ובמסגרת התיק שמתנהל נגדו אף הטריד את אחד העדים. כעת הפרקליטות מבקשת להרחיקו מתפקידו. ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו הזמין את ראשי התעשיות המתקדמות בעולם להשקיע בישראל וקרא להם להיעזר ישירות בו ובאנשיו. אם אתם מעוניינים, בקרו בישראל, ובבקשה, היפגשו איתי באופן אישי. 
אקדיש לכך את הזמן. אני מבטיח שאם תגיעו ללשכתי ותבקשו עזרה, אומר לכם בכנות מה אני יכול לעשות. אני חושב שנעשה הרבה יותר יחד מאשר לחוד. כך נתניהו. ידיעה שמסר שליחנו לוועידה במינכן, ג'קי חוגי. תחזית מזג האוויר לסוף השבוע, ירידה ניכרת בטמפרטורות. הלילה יתחילו לרדת גשמים ברוב אזורי הארץ, שימשיכו לרדת עד יום שני. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת. בירושלים ב-4.51 דקות, בתל אביב ב-5.5 דקות, בחיפה ב-4.56 דקות, ובבאר שבע ב-5.9 דקות. אלה החדשות בצוות ניב בן אלי וצביקה אליהו.
Shalayim, Uvirushalayim, Virushalayim, Denuchamu, Kehish Asherim, Uyitenachamenu, Kehinonuichianachem.
Louis, I just heard. How terrible. 27 years you and Sam were partners. Partners? Brothers! And after all that time, you split. What happened? No choice. There was no way out. It was kismet. <laughs> Tell me something. Would you stay partners with a man who stole from petty cash? Took postage stamps home for poisonous mail? Gambled corporation funds at the racetrack? And to top it off, took cash from the company safe? Would you want a partnership with such a man? Never. Well, neither did he. <laughs> Excuse me, 13 minutes after the hour, Friday morning, it is JM in the AM. President's Day weekend, reminder that this coming Monday, Americans for a safe Israel have a rally uh, against the, um, a protest rally against Mahmoud Abbas, head of the PA at the United Nations. He'll be speaking Monday, and the protest begins this coming Monday at the Isaiah Wall, 44th Street and 1st Avenue in Manhattan. Uh, at 12 noon. Am I right that it's 12 noon? Uh, yeah, 12 noon. Isaiah Wall, 44th Street, 1st Avenue in New York City. Everyone is asked to be there with Israeli and American flags and appropriate signage. Information, 212-828-2424, 212-828-2424. And we thank you. More coming up. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us. From Jerusalem, 7.40 this morning here at JM in the AM. Le choy le choy la 
על ידי דוד, משיח צדקך. JM in the AM, סנדי שמואלי. על ידי דוד, משיח צדקך. הנה ימים טובים, and then ממקומך from Sandy. You heard the Weinreb brothers in there with Mayain, here at JM in the AM. Um... Leif Tahar had Anim Zmirot Friday morning on Rosh Chodesh morning on this era of Shabbos Parshas Truma, candle lighting at 5.12 in New York. Malcolm Honline scheduled to join us next from Jerusalem. We are uh, trying to pry him out of a meeting and, and get him on. <laughs> so hopefully he'll join us in the next couple of minutes from Jerusalem here at JM in the AM. That'll be coming up. Um, Rosh Chodesh morning here at JM in the AM. Please keep in mind we... Uh, ask you to consider supporting us by sponsoring part or all of a JMN broadcast. FJBUnity.org has all the information. FJBUnity.org. And we thank you. We're 61 days away from uh, Israel's 70 and the big celebration. Israel's 70th birthday. Uh, we'll be reminding you as we get closer and closer because it is important to celebrate the amazing and historic occasion. And we'll be doing so here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Honline, scheduled next from Jerusalem, Israel. Keep it at JM in the AM, everybody. Now, 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 now
JMNAM on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos on this Rosh Chodesh Adar here at JMNAM. Malcolm Holmline next from Jerusalem. We love hearing what's going on in Jerusalem. Boy, there's a lot going on in Jerusalem, of course, and in other parts of the world that we'll talk about in a moment. I want to thank our friends at OnlySimchas.com. OnlySimchas.com. Check out their news feed, not just their Simcha news, but on top of that, their news feed every single day. You'll be glad you did. They have an amazing array of stories from around the Jewish world. A uh, big thank you to JewishWorldReview.com. Print out uh, hundreds of articles before Shabbos and... Um, be well informed about what's going on in this world of ours. Go to jewishworldview.com for all the information. Um, I mentioned earlier our condolences to the Aladef family. The The entire country, of course, is uh, reeling from this um, murderous spree, this murder spree that went on in the uh, high school down in Florida this week, hit even closer to home for us because uh, the Aladefs, who lost their 14-year-old granddaughter in the um, in the attack? Um, have been with the New Springville Jewish Center as members and uh, uh, really key members of the community on Staten Island since its inception in the mid 80s. So we know we know the Aldef family for quite a long time, and Alyssa's uh, father I know since he's a little boy, and um, you can imagine that. Uh, as uh, as much as the um, as the country continues to to mourn the loss of everybody who was uh, murdered in that in that uh, rampage that's that murder spree at the school uh, when you know somebody or the family obviously it hits closer to home so our condolences to the Aladef family and to all the families that are suffering and that is not even a strong enough word in the aftermath of that episode. Friday morning broadcast on this era of Shabbos Parsha's Truma with candle lighting at 512 on this era of Shabbos in New York. 512. It's President's Day. Uh, I mentioned that uh, Monday is uh, my uh, brother's yard site. I'm not going to be here. We'll be in Los Angeles for the 50th anniversary celebration with the Gindi Maimonides School. I have the privilege of hosting that concert on Monday night at the Wilton the- at the Wilton Theater in L.A., um, but I wanted to mention, as I always do on the art side, that my brother passed away from esophageal cancer. And uh, for anybody out there, we'll do this really quickly. Anybody out there who is suffering from extreme heartburn, or if you have someone in your family with extreme heartburn, very often that will turn into Barrett's. Uh, it will turn into reflux, which in turn will then turn into Barrett's. And after that, God forbid, will turn into cancer. And in some cases, like his full-blown, very aggressive cancer. So we ask that everybody in a situation like that who might have uh, symptoms like we just described, um, go get an endoscopy. It's a really easy screening. Go get an endoscopy and make sure you and your loved ones are protected. We've made this announcement now for the past seven years since his passing, and it has saved lives and certainly has enhanced lives uh, for people in our audience who have uh, been able to take care of this and catch things really, really quickly. So in his memory, Harav Moshe Yona, Ben Harav Zev Halevi, I'd appreciate if you uh, became aggressive about uh, about those screenings and treatments. Malcolm Honline is with us from Jerusalem, which is always an extra added bonus and pleasure 
Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update from Jerusalem. Mr. Holmline, tell us, how does Jerusalem look on this Friday afternoon? Unbelievably gorgeous. <laughs> and the weather is beautiful. We were sitting outside just now with people who are here for our mission, which begins on Sunday. A very intense uh, period of time for us. We just returned from the first part of the of the mission in uh, the in the Gulf area, and the uh, uh, but to come here and to see Jerusalem glorious. And thank God they're getting rain tomorrow and Sunday. That will is very necessary and essential, and will help even bring out the green and the beauty of the city even more. Yeah, I, I was told a big soaking is coming Shabbos and Sunday, so uh, make sure you have your umbrella. But yes, it's great news when we're able to report that type of weather forecast for Jerusalem and its surroundings. I, I don't know, you know, everybody wants to hear what's happening in Jerusalem regarding the uh, the scandal, quote-unquote, but then again, everybody wants to hear what you've been doing for the last couple of weeks because it's made news, and for a lot of people, uh, they find it hard to believe where you and the delegation were. So, all right, I'll, I'll toss it up, and let's start with that. Then we'll get to what's happening in the capital of Israel. Tell us about this journey, um, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, uh, the uniqueness of uh, embarking on it, and the reasons behind it, why this became the initial leg of the uh, Conference of Presidents uh, mission to Israel. Okay, so every year the Conference of Presidents takes a large group of our leaders this year. We have the largest group ever, about 120 people. Uh, and But before we come to Israel, we try to visit a country where we can make a difference. And we consult with our government, with Israel, with others, to think about where the issues are and where could we as an American Jewish community, not representing a government, representing ourselves, go and learn about an issue that is very important or issues and at the same time be able to help solidify ties with the U.S., with Israel, or even trilateral relationships, uh, address particular issues. It could be MIAs, it could be many other issues that we uh, tried to speak about during uh, our trip. And um, we tried once before. I have been to the UAE uh, before, but we never had a large group. And certainly, no, there's never been as large a group as we had in the UAE, Jewish group. And all week we had kosher food. We had an amazing effort by Ross Creel, who is a resident in Dubai, an Orthodox Jew, and um, brought in a, a mashkiach overseer from South Africa, from the Besdin in South Africa. And the government went all out, including converting one of the major restaurants in Dubai, overseeing the famous fountain where you have the dancing waters. Uh, worked on it half a day, 20 guys koshering the whole place. Uh, there is a very small Jewish community, and it's a couple hundred people in, in basically in Dubai, but also some in Abu Dhabi. Is it a safe? Are, is it a safe Jewish community? Are they safe? There? It is a safe. Absolutely, they. Uh, uh, you know, it's not so much a public community, but it is safe. And what was interesting is how the leaders we met all talked about wanting to and proud of the fact that Jews live there, wanting to. Um, increase the visibility, and in fact, in the new museum, the Louvre, they have there, based with the uh, Louvre in, in uh, France, uh, you know, a multi-billion-dollar project. I'm sure uh, we went through it. They have, uh, you know, imported amazing things, primarily from the Louvre, but they have a major display, which is a, a, a Homish, a, a Quran, and a 
and a Bible, a Christian Bible. <laughs> and and they talk about, you know, the education, the other things they're engaged in in terms of tolerance. As a, and they have a minister of tolerance. They have a minister of happiness. And uh, they have, uh, seriously, uh, and when you have, you know, a lot of oil money, I guess you can't have happiness, but they are, less than 50% of the GDP today is, is oil. They've moved to, to increase education. There's an NYU campus, New York University campus that is spectacular, and the kids pay no tuition, no expenses, um, and there are a number of Jewish kids. And last Shabbos, they had a Shabbaton in Dubai from the NYU, and people from the NYU Hillel came there. And the former president of NYU was there, came to speak, and one of the students told me that she was uh, crying the whole Shabbat because it was so moving and so exciting. But I think overall, you know, we, we obviously want to see the relationship with Israel strengthened, but the common interests regarding Iran, the threat of Iran, the threat of Turkey, the threat of extremism, the Muslim Brotherhood, ISIS, the war in Yemen, the um, now this conflict with Qatar, uh, where it's not so much for us to take sides, but to understand and to try to hear the different perspectives. And you can only do that by seeing it firsthand. And this was true when we went to Azerbaijan or Kazakhstan, remote places, or Berlin or Frankfurt or, or London or Paris. Uh, each year we, we try to add to the knowledge of our leaders so when they make decisions and they talk about issues, they do it in an informed way. One of the great concerns and, about the, the Gulf states um, is that some of them, um, some unabashedly are sponsors of terrorism and you know, will tell you so and have good relations with Iran. The UAE, does anybody accuse them of either? Everybody accuses everybody in, uh, between each other and, and uh, um, from the outside. But UAE, um, uh, by the way, Dahlan lives in the UAE. UAE has relationships with, and have votes, obviously, in support of the UN of the Palestinians, as do all the other countries, but they have also uh, a resident Israeli official who is uh, the representative to the UN agency, IRENA, which is the Renewable Energy Agency, and he lives quietly, but he lives in the country. Um, there we will see the test when the Expo 2020, which is going to be a major international undertaking in Dubai, to see that Israel, if Israel is invited officially and fully, um, they, uh, but there are increasing contacts between most of the countries and Israel uh, because of the common enemy, because they have so much to gain from Israel. Uh, you know, they, they, it's not something you would read in the papers. The news media coverage talks about occupied Jerusalem and reporting from occupied this or occupied that. Uh, but the the government itself talks about what they're doing in the mosques, in the internet, on the in every medium to try and remove the attraction of extremism, to teach tolerance, respect of uh, different religions. What was the reaction in the UAE press to your visit? Uh, well, we did not uh, publicize it because of various reasons uh, of ours and theirs. Um, you know, we don't want to call attention. It's it's such a big group. That, uh, but they did take pictures. They have put out the pictures now. We took a, a photo with the um, uh, foreign minister, uh, ABC, the uh, brother of the crown prince, and with other um, um, ministers and, and uh, very high-ranking ones who, um, who allowed us to release the pictures and to have them put out. There is coverage. There have been stories in various uh, papers, UAE and elsewhere,
mentioning the trip, but because we didn't give out any reports, they were only describing the fact, not the substance. Yeah, I mean that, that was uh, it ended up being a subject of conversation here last week because uh, uh, articles were written while you were there. The um, you would have preferred if there would have been a complete media blackout, or it really made no difference. No, we did not want any coverage before we got there uh, until we were actually there and settled because they're very sensitive to it. And obviously it could evoke a response or protests or words from certain elements who don't want to see people like us come there and and be public and have this kind of uh, relationship with this and many other countries. And and while you were doing the review, I just lost track of the days. You You were there for Shabbos or not? I was there for Shabbos uh, with two of my colleagues because we went to prepare, but the group itself came on Sunday. A few others came, uh, you know, days before just to to relax before the conference right. began. But the bulk of them, the vast majority, left Motzei Shabbos late Saturday night and arrived Sunday evening, and we left from there Thursday and went via Jordan, via Amman, where we had meetings with the regent, um, uh, of Jordan, the brother of the king, who was uh, the king was out, so he was the acting king called the regent, and we had a meeting with him before we then continued on the bus to Jerusalem. Um, isn't it unrealistic to think that you and this delegation could be in the UAE and not be carrying a message from Jerusalem? In other words, you sit in these meetings, and and as you said at the beginning of this conversation. Uh, it's an independent group. They're, you know, in- interests of the greater Jewish community and, and, and Jewish, you know, and, and Israel topics are obviously, uh, you know, priority, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're discussing some of the topics you've told us you brought up, it- it's difficult to believe that those are not direct messages that you're carrying from Jerusalem. Well, they're not direct messages. Look, we understand the issues. We, we obviously are on top of them year-round. And um, when we discussed the trip with, before we came here with a number of officials uh, of countries in the region and elsewhere to, so that we maximize the productiveness and also understand the context of the issues. So there are, our questions and our points, the points we raise, are most effective. Are there any Israeli officials frustrated by the fact that you went there? Frustrated? Yeah. That's quite the opposite there. They're delighted by right. the fact that right. they're Right, so, and that's only because you brought along their agenda, so to speak. If you would, if, if you would have gone and brought no. up... That, no, they believe that it's important that we open these doors and that, you know, sometimes Israel does not have access to places that we do have access to because of, you know, the political ramifications and they do it quietly. This is seen as a message in that regard as well. Obviously, people don't disconnect us from from Israel, but the uh, it's not because we brought messages. We are raising issues, very complicated, and I have to say the group raised amazing questions. Very much impressed the people we we met with, and the um, and it's very much Israel recognizes that. Uh, this is very much in their interest that all the bridges that we build to countries, especially those that can't publicly associate with Israel, uh, benefit ultimately them. And whether we can increase trade, we can increase communication, get better understanding. Uh, they ask us questions about things that happen in Israel and elsewhere, and we have a chance to tell them about concerns, what's going on with in, the, in Syria, uh, which concerns them as well. And the more you highlight the common concerns, the more they see what they have today. But they, 
I would say it is very different than a few years ago and even different than a year ago that much more uh, it's much more highlighted that the common uh, foes that the two countries um, uh, face as well as some of the common benefits they could derive and they of course want to see a solution to the Palestinian issue they believe the Arab police initiative is still a, a good basis but they, uh, I think they are pretty skeptical right now about what could happen, and they don't put the onus just on Israel. They're pretty balanced in that regard. Uh, on the uh, Jordan stop, uh, did the acting uh, leader of Jordan uh, express an opinion regarding President Trump's declaration of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel? Uh, of course, and uh, it's something you hear in many countries. Uh, I don't remember whether uh, who raised, if anyone raised it in uh in Jordan, in um, the, the UAE per se, but obviously it is an issue, and uh, they raised concern about the reaction to it. Uh, he, they did acknowledge that he did not preclude this as an issue. He didn't do anything, but he talked about, they talk about the reaction in the Palestine, amongst the Palestinians in the street, etc., which is the reaction we hear most places. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, and the web, and NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Friday morning, Rosh Chodesh morning, Malcolm Honline is in Jerusalem. He is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Have you seen the Prime Minister yet? No, I just got here last night and I have uh, that I've one, not that, seen him yet. That will be, we will be seen. That's why I, was, I will be seen. Right. He'll, he left it, the country. It, oh, he left? He went, he's in, in, I think, in Berlin, and I will be seeing him, and he's going to be addressing the full conference on Wednesday. Did he leave because the uh, media pressure is a little bit too much since the uh, recommendation by Israeli police? No, this was planned before, but um, I think it's a good respite for him when he can get out of the country. <laughs> How badly would you... As you know, that is uh, Israelis love playing this game. <laughs> How badly would you love to be the Attorney General of Israel right now? Well, I have a great deal of respect for him, uh, and his own personal story is a remarkable one. Uh, I think he's a man of great integrity, and I think it can be very confident that uh, he will do the right thing. But, you know, it, he has a lot of time. He has, I think, seven months before he has to reach a decision. I don't know that it'll take all that time, but as he said today, he's not. he won't be reluctant from doing the right thing if it's necessary or called for. He... Um, uh, and the, it depends what charges are actually brought. So the prime minister now doesn't have to do anything, doesn't have to step down, he doesn't have to do anything else because he's got, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he's not indicted and certainly not convicted, and there's dispute over whether those things, but he's under increasing political pressure, you know, from people calling for him to step down or step aside or, you know, using this as a chance to score political points, and they already have polls, you know, about who the better successor was, uh, and the the bulk of the people still don't pick a successor, uh, somebody as an alternative, uh, although uh, Gillen Sahar looks like a head on the Likud party, and Bennett scored very well in the leadership, but well, well, is this pro I think right is, now the, there's, is, no, there's no person, single person. Is now. this process going to increase the visibility and the profile of Yair Lapid? Well, it could, because he's certainly one of the people who would put himself in running, but uh, most feel that right now the, the focus will be on Likud. And any right. internal decisions they have to make, elections are scheduled anyway for 
thing in October 2019. But I think there's a lot of expectation that it could come earlier. So the Attorney General has at least half a year, if he wants that much time, as you indicated, to to, uh, to make this decision. Uh, well, he has to explore the facts. He, you know, this is only a recommendation from the police, and there's right. a lot of things. And also, he, he's, they're very careful because they can't bring a case that they lose because right. it destroys their credibility. Right. So and if, that has happened in the past. You know, police recommendations led to you know uh, trials that or, or judgments that did not support the police assumptions. So if they go ahead and if they go ahead with this, if the attorney general feels feels the case is strong enough, so to speak, then he's in real trouble. I mean, as you just indicated, they're they're likely wouldn't wouldn't uh, bring the charges against them if they were not very confident they would win. If it goes ahead, right, and the police also wouldn't bring charges unless they thought that they had substantial evidence. Um, and BB has been very outspoken against the uh, police commissioner, uh, who's also an observant Jew, um, and the you know questioning the whole validity of the process of the investigation, but I think that's a natural reaction. Uh, we'll have to see. Do you should you, be patient. You have no hunch about this, or you wouldn't share your hunch about this? Well, first of all, I'm not a lawyer, and I, I certainly don't know Israeli law well enough, and you don't know the details. You know, bribery is a very serious uh, charge. Uh, some of the other charges are less serious. They could drop that aspect of it, which would mean that the nature of the overall uh, charges, they could drop one case. You know, they did drop uh, there were many more cases, and this is only the charges are only coming in two of the cases in 1,000 and 2,000, the numbers of the files. Um, well, that's, so, the, that's the bribery in the newspaper case. Right, but not the submarine and some of the other cases that right. have been talked about that people thought were even more serious. Yeah, that's Clearly, what I thought. They I, did I, not have substantiation <laughs> for it. I always thought the submarine case was so much more serious than the other two. And with the newspaper one, you could really make the argument that he was set up. I mean, if you look at the details of how things went down, I, I don't know if you could blame him fully for the for, for, the, for the way things progressed. But whatever. Well, it's not a question of, you know, we'll have to leave that to the courts to decide yeah, I think, in the long run. I guess. Are you, are you planning on having the group present him with a gift on Wednesday? Because if so, please be careful. No comment, but uh, <laughs> Malcolm Schlepp. We have always give him a gift. He has a whole collection of our gifts, but they don't meet the price uh, level. I think that anybody will think this is corruption. Are you schlepping a snow globe from the UAA, UAE airport for him? Is that what's going on? <laughs> no, no cigars or champagne. <laughs> That's for sure. Those items, I guarantee you, you're not going to present. Can you imagine the visual for that? My God. Uh, well, I, I, I'm not saying that um, that you're encouraging it or not. It just gives me a good opportunity to remind everybody that Monday there is a rally at the Isaiah Wall, 44th Street and First Avenue. Mahmoud Abbas is scheduled to speak at the United Nations. What what is happening at the UN? Is this simply uh, is he simply traveling the United States? And like any head of state, he's being invited to speak there. Is there a formal uh, ceremony or program taking place? What's happening on Monday? Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't know that he was speaking there, but uh, he is invited there periodically. It's not the first time, and um, it's not one of the usual Palestine days, so there could be any one of the U.N. agencies. Mm. Uh, there was an invitation extended to him by the Security Council, and that's what this might be, for him to, to address them on the situation, and he wants to talk about the decision by President Trump on Jerusalem. Right. So. Uh, I would anticipate that that will be uh, the subject that obviously comes up in almost all discussions. Um, 
there's more appreciation that the administration seems to pay attention to the Middle East, uh, but they, um, uh, you know, there's there's frustration about it. Both sides, they always try to make it equal, but uh, I would say that whereas you used to hear criticism of Israel alone, you hear now much more criticism of the PA, certainly what the situation is in Gaza, the waste of all the money that they gave, they're, more, they're demanding more accountability and uh, wanting him to sit down at the table and to negotiate. Right. And they, they, I mean, obviously they're critical of the things that Israel does and of the, what President Trump did, but they, many of them, I think, realize that, in fact, he did take an issue off the table. He didn't say that he eliminated it as a final status issue. He tried to diffuse part of it by his declaration about the embassy, right. and it should not have evoked except for political reasons. Yeah, well, I'm in full agreement with that. All right, uh, before I get yelled at for spending all this time before getting to what most people consider the most important thing to discuss this morning, tell us about last weekend, the drone, the attack, the ejected uh, airmen from Israel. What could you tell us about this episode that took place? Look, we've, it's been building up, and I've talked about it here for a long time, the war in the north, uh, the predicted war, the pro- prophylactic measures that Israel's been taking along the border, the buildup by the Hezbollah of all these missiles and placing them in homes all along the uh, their southern border, the northern border of Israel, the uh, attempts by Iran, the presence of Soleimani and Raisi uh, in, on the Lebanon border with Israel, the attempts to penetrate on the Golan, the the uh, 80,000 troops that Iran has in, in Syria, in addition to Hezbollah, in addition to the, their own. I mean, they don't like to put their own soldiers in harm's way, so they get all these recruits from Afghanistan and everywhere else, Iraq, um, to fight and to die uh, because the reaction at home when they bring back body bags is not good. So what we saw was a, and the, and the question is who initiated it, originally People thought it was an SA-4, SA-5, or SA-6 uh, missile, which is locally controlled by uh, the Syrian government. In fact, now we believe it's an S-200, which is a much more advanced system that the Russians provided. And the question was, did the Russians have any role in it? Did they? Because parts and fragments from it were found in the Golan and the communities, the people living there, on the not on the Israeli side, on the Syrian side, actually collected the parts and turned it over to Israel. And uh, so they were able to identify those things. There were many missiles fired, so it could be a combination. Uh, and whether there was human error or something else uh, uh, involved, you know, that will take a while to find out. And the Arabs are obviously celebrating it. It's a mistake. You know, the U.S. loses planes in similar circumstances. Russia does, Turkey does, Iran does. Um, but the, the, they are trying to exploit it and say this is a turning point. We now have the Zionists on the run. I would, if I were them, I would not test this theory. <laughs> um, this, the, you know, Israel knocked out half of the air defense system of Syria in that strike. Wow. They could have taken the whole thing out. And remember, they're, they're somewhat restricted because they don't want to hit Russian targets. They, they fired this from a Russian a base where there is a large Russian presence. And uh, you saw that, that uh, Putin right away came out and called for calm on both sides and to de-escalate it. He did not attack Israel, although there's reports that he had a furious phone call, but that's only a report from uh, so far. Uh, what we see is, is in the public uh, domain that the um, efforts to, to keep red lines about where Israel does and doesn't go. But the 
when you take into account the full uh, picture of what's going on in Lebanon, what's going on in Syria, the fact you have 29 foreign bases, the fact that you know the Iran is is uh, constantly escalating its presence, its aggressiveness there and throughout the region, that the Iraqi participation and presence in a lot of this. So, you know, it, it's so complex, and people try to boil it down into a simple picture of this one attacked, that one didn't attack, you know, uh, what what really happened. Here, Israel's sovereignty was violated, clearly, with the drone. It was um, it was knocked out, and now and we believe that this drone was, was uh, based on one that Iran had captured, and then they did the reverse technology, building one based on it, on the one they captured. And Israel was obviously had to take it out. They were able to monitor it from where it was fired. So they saw the launch. They saw the whole flight pattern. And that was a Russian. And that's what. And that's a Russian-controlled yeah. base. Where was, it's, where was, it's, no, a base with Russian presence. Mm-hmm. It's near Palmyra, which we have discussed. I told you once that the inscriptions in Palmyra right. were, were in Hebrew. Right. Uh, so this is a base not far from there, in which there is a, a strong Russian presence. And uh, they were taken aback by the degree to which Israel's technology could pinpoint sites, hit uh, back at exactly the launching point to be able to do the targeted uh, strikes on their uh, air defense system. Believe me, it was very technologically very impressive. Boy, what it takes to protect the residents of Israel, huh? Unbelievable. It's unbelievable that this little country can do all this and uh, with all the high tech and everything else that they're doing and defending themselves and busy fighting each other politically. That thank God the IDF is there and they they have made remarkable achievements. They're facing uh, real challenges because you have uh, a large presence. You have, you know, you just shoot enough missiles at one time. Some are bound to penetrate. You can't get every one of them yeah. with Iron Dome, with Patriot, with anything else. So Israel has to be ready to move preemptively, meaning uh, in regard to the missiles that are, are, are in southern Lebanon. And this year, no restrictions this time to the... Um, uh, hitting Lebanese targets that they might not have hit in the past because today Hezbollah is part of the government of Lebanon. Um, so in, in terms of last weekend's incident, as they were trying to do on the Sunday talk shows, you know, figure out who who's to blame when it comes to Iran, Syria, and Russia, the overwhelming majority of that goes to Iran, correct? I mean, it's not, it, they, get, they get the highest percentage. <laughs> right. yeah. They get the highest percentage. Um, and, and when you describe the uh, uh, the the weaponry, the missiles, mid-range missiles, whatever they are, that are being held in southern Lebanon and in Syria, you, you can say, parenthetically, I'll say with confidence, that Israel knows where all of those locations are, and if need be, they could take them all out. I would say they know where most are, but they're in houses. They're in individual houses. They have a, a dining room, a living room, a bedroom, and a missile room. And I guess they get paid or don't have a choice. Israel knows where a lot of it is. Israel monitors it closely. But you can't know where everything is. And if, you know, it takes seconds for something loaded on the back of a truck for them to open the roof and launch the missile, however they do it, and when you have 110, 120, 150,000 missiles there, and they have, you know, a factory now building better guidance systems so they can hit with greater accuracy, all of these things are relevant to to what Israel has to consider and how 
um, what it can tolerate, what it, why, and that's why they don't allow more sophisticated message, um, uh, material, weapons, to go from Syria to, to Lebanon, wherever they can prevent it. Was the Secretary of State already in the Middle East when this happened, or he, he was there afterwards? No, he came right afterwards. Uh, uh, he's been here several times, but this latest trip, I think, started afterwards. And you mentioned he was in the UAE. And you mentioned the Putin reaction. Did was there a statement uh, in the United Nations? Was there a condemnation of the Iranian activity last weekend in the UN? Oh yeah, right. No, there was no condemnation. As I said, Putin, I think, tried to do an even-handed response. He has vast, his vast interest in both places. He has big infrastructure in Syria today for him, is a naval base and air force base, but. So Ambassador uh, Haley was the only one to bring up this topic at the United Nations. No, I'm sure there was condemnation of Israel right. for striking. <laughs> Meaning the condemnation uh, of Iran. She was likely the only one who brought it up in the United Nations. Well, actually, we heard you know comments from some Europeans, more dark targeting the missile program and um, Iran's more aggressive stance. France this week, Macron made some strong statements about the nuclear program. So... I think that the um, um, but you know, there is a growing frustration, but you see Turkey, it's a whole separate stream of threat of the reaction, their involvement in Syria, what they're doing, which has come under condemnation, um, the, the, the army, the Syrian forces, um, and the Syrian government could also is assumed to have played a role or part of the coalition that put the missiles up. Yeah, well, understood. All being done with their blessing. Uh, by the way, I have to, um, I, I, I have to make a, a as big a deal as I can about this because I don't think people are reacting. Um, certainly not the way I would like. We discussed the whole Poland situation, right? The Poland law with the recognition of uh, Polish responsibility during the Holocaust, et cetera, et cetera. And they they've essentially tried to change the story a bit. Maybe you would say even stronger than a bit, right? And I think it's really, really important for every generation listening, uh, to understand how easily they are getting away with this, how easily they literally are changing history and are trying to alter things and, you know, just with the stroke of a pen, so to speak. And and I think that, you know, for those who wonder how things drastically change or over a period of time slowly but drastically change, uh, you know, in different parts of the world and, you know, in history and 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 could be during present times, I think it's a really important point to make to our children and grandchildren that, you know, you have people out there who are deniers and on top of that are ready to just rewrite the history books for their convenience. It is a, a major issue that people tend to dismiss the, as crackpots, people who engage in Holocaust denial, even in revisionism and even in this kind of thing of modification or refusals, because the, the, their benefit would stand with telling the truth, because there were many Poles who saved Jews, there were many Poles who engaged in collaboration and even sometimes on their own in, in acts of uh, violence against Jews. These are facts, and, and um, that they don't want the uh, camps called Polish camps, but rather German camps in Poland, yeah. you know, that's, you, you can say that that's a fact, but, but the effort now goes beyond it, now threatening Shrita, now threatening other things. Not acceptable, and yeah. um, many people are reviewing the relationship and what we do. By the way, I want to say one other thing that I think will give your audience something for Shabbos to think about. That is, the former chief of staff of Iran has a solution. He knows how this whole thing with Israel happened. 
And he said it's because lizards that have been trained by Israel, and he said that this week on a national broadcast, lizards trained by Israel, they have a way to um, detect an atomic sense, and they are tracking Iran's nuclear program. <laughs> and they are responsible for this. So when you see a lizard, know that he's a possible agent of Israel. And just the, uh, and unfortunate, and, and further, more, more unfortunately, is that he probably had thousands, if not more, who were believing him as he spoke these words. Of course. It was, on, it was repeated. It was published in the papers. It's unbelievable, but true. Uh, i got to go back to the Poland thing one last time. Um, will, this, will this stop the, uh, uh, the tours to Poland? Will this stop the March of the Living trip? Will this, uh, will, will this finally prove that those who've said years ago that we should not be supporting the Polish economy it probably is a good idea, or you don't think much will be altered? I think that uh, it will cause a review. People will re- be rethinking it. I don't think that you can punish the children who signed up for the March of the Living for this year by not going. Uh, there may be different emphasis that may be used as an educational opportunity. Right. Always a positive, right? There's always right. something out there. Uh, are you back in the U.S. next uh, Friday? No. Whoa. Uh, uh, another uh, week. Again, Jerusalem? Uh, Jerusalem. All right. So we'll, Bezrat Hashem will have you on then, correct? God willing. And you uh, you be careful what you give the prime minister, but certainly uh, certainly give him a... Uh, I'll give him your regard. Exactly. A little pep talk. A little pep yeah. talk that he's responsible for the safety and security of the people of Israel, and as I would say, for Jews around the world. But I, but the truth is I think he gets that. I think he takes that role very seriously. So. I think so, too. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline is in Jerusalem for Shabbos. He is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, Friday mornings, 7.40 Eastern time here at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday, every era of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody, and good Chodesh. Tomorrow, we have the privilege of reading Parshas Truma. Parshas Truma, according to the Chinuch, contains three mitzvos, two positive and one restriction. But just think what mitzvah it contains. It contains the mitzvah of V'asuli Mikdash V'shochanti B'socham. Make for me a sanctuary and I shall dwell amongst them. What an incredible concept, which I'd like to talk about for a few moments, and then, please God, tie it in to Mishanichnas Adar, where we find ourselves today at the beginning of the month of Adar, and this generates simcha, happiness, within the Jewish community and the Jewish people. Let's begin with how can there be a house for God. And man needs a home. Man needs a bedroom. Man needs a kitchen. He needs to sleep. He needs to eat. All the requirements of a home are completely and totally unnecessary for God. And therefore, what's the significance of how we to understand? Is it not limiting God? 
to say that this is God's home when, after all, Uncle Moshe is right. Where is God? Everywhere. Up, up, down, down, right, left, and all around. If so, how are we to understand a base Hashem? So, the truth of the matter is, as Shlomo HaMelech said, that the heavens and the heaven heavens cannot contain Hashem, lest this home. What's the understanding of a base Hashem? I'd like to present two very radical, different approaches. First, the approach of Rashi. Rashi understands that really we should not have needed a base, an Asuli Mikdash, a house of God, for the reason that we just explained. However, Rashi says the following, that clearly Am Yisrael, the Jewish people, sinned terribly with the golden calf. We miscalculated true. Moshe's not here. And in that period of time of panic, of not having Moshe, we were vulnerable and created a golden calf to which we attributed some concept of deity showing that the Jewish people needed something tangible. So it's like Hashem is saying to the Jewish people, you asked for it, you showed you needed something physical that you can dwell upon, you've got it, Mishkan. And therefore, the Mikdash, the sanctuary which you are to make, you are to make for Asuli, you are to make for me, Lishma, for my sake, create it and generate it all towards a relationship with Hashem. But it's clearly what we would call Bidiyeved. Bidiyeved means second best. First and foremost, we really didn't have to have it. In reality, I can tell you that a few times, being in Eretz Yisrael, when it was late in the day, towards sunset, I found myself driving on a highway, and all of a sudden, seeing cars pull off to the right on the side of the road. One car, two cars, and then I realized quickly what was happening. Mincha, the time itself, demanded that Mincha be recited. And so, right there on the side of the road, with a minion, without a minion, people stopped to Davin. Wherever you'll mention my name, wherever you bring Hashem in, that's where you can have a relationship with Hashem. No question about it. However, we needed and we have something physical which generates, once we have it, a system of laws unto itself called 
Mora Mikdash. There's a biblical command as to the respect of Abes Migdash, and this filters down as well to the respect with which we are to treat our Beis HaKnesses, our synagogue, our Mikdash Ma'at. This is Rashi's approach to the Beis HaMikdash, and in reality, Rashi would have to say, and does say indeed, in Muktam Umu'uchar Batora. In order to um, understand this, you have to say that there is no, not necessarily a chronological order to the Torah, because after all, Pasha's Truma, with the mitzvah of building a sanctuary, is two weeks before the sin of the golden calf. So the Torah first presents the mitzvah of building a sanctuary. Only later does it tell us about the golden calf. And that, you can say, is a kind of kindness on the part of Hashem that covered, he shows honor and dignity to the Jewish people rather than have us immediately connect the dot that we needed something physical. He presents it as if there is an ideal with the Mikdash, and then two weeks later we're taught and told about the golden calf. The Ramban has a very different take on the role of the Mikdash. Says the Ramban, what happened at Sinai? At Sinai, the Jewish people were privileged to experience Hashra's Hashrina, literally God's presence in their midst. They all experienced prophecy. They knew that God was in their midst. Says the Ramban, we could not take the mountain with us. So Hashem gave us the next best thing. The next best thing was that you will have a portable mountain, a portable Sinai in the form of a Mishkan, the sanctuary in the desert. And it is at the Mishkan that Hashem will continue that which took place at Sinai. At Sinai, he spoke to Moshe and the Jewish people. At the Mishkan, he will continue to speak to Moshe and through Moshe to the Jewish people. And therefore, it's not by chance, says the Ramban, that the language that the Torah uses at the end of last week's parsha, where the Torah says, Vayishkom Kvod Hashem al Sinai, that literally God's holy presence rested on the mountain. And if you look <clears throat> at the very closing paragraph of Parshas Bekudei, the Torah speaks as well at this phenomenal accomplishment of, the Torah says, same term, 
Uchvod Hashem Molei Es Hamishkan, the presence and honor of Hashem was on the Mishkan. So we have literally a continuation of Sinai, and whereas you can say that according to Rashi, this was not preferable but acceptable, a lower level as to what would have been the ideal, according to the Ramban, wow, this is the ideal, having Hashem's presence in our midst. I think, especially with this Ramban, we can appreciate where we are literally today. Mishenichnas Ador, as the month of Ador commences, Mar Bimbesimcha, we have a greater sense and a greater appreciation of happiness. To the Jew, happiness is the presence of Hashem. It says in our Torah, Usmachtem, and you will be happy when Lifnei Hashem Elokeichem. Happiness is not something which you can pinpoint with a materialistic object, but happiness is a state of being. It is a sense of ruchnius, of spirituality. And having God's presence in our midst is the greatest form of happiness because the Jew recognizes and realizes that there is someone who is in control, directing, guiding every aspect of our life. And therefore, the Gemara at the bottom of the first Amud Beis in the second parak of Beitzah, 15b at the bottom, the Gemara teaches us an f- interesting concept. Says Rabbi Yochanan in the name of Rabbi Eliezer, the son of Rabbi Shimon, Harotzeh sheyes kaimu nechosav, the one who wants his properties to endure, yitabohen eder, he should plant in them an eder tree. Rashi explains that the eder is a valuable tree, and people will say, oh, look what so-and-so has in his field. The field will then be associated with his name. So even if he should leave his home for an extended period of time, he doesn't have to worry about somebody usurping his property because the field is known because of that tree which is there. The rabbis tell us that in addition to that which it states very clearly, but we can read it, Yita Bahen Ador. What does Ador mean? Ador, the name of this month, is Aleph, referring to Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, Aleph Dor. He dwells in our midst. What does that mean? If a person understands and realizes, and this is, after all, the essence of the month of Adar, whereby we celebrate 
Emir Tzayshem, in two weeks, Purim. What does that mean? That even though, unlike leaving Egypt and the splitting of the Red Sea, which were open miracles, Purim is a nes nistar. It is a hidden miracle. But we know that Hashem is with us. And therefore, I'd like to close with a very sharp teaching of Reb Shlomo Karolina, who was very poor. And his wife said, Shlomo, what's going to be? And he said to her, Ichab Tzvei Kian. I have two cows. The Yiddish word for cow is ki. The plural is kin. However, he didn't mean literally that. What did he mean? Every morning at the end of the many passages that we say in Hodu, Sfard before Bismor Shir, Ashkenaz after Baruch She'omar, towards the end of Hodu, we cite from chapter 33 of Tehillim, Pasuk 21, Ki, Vo Yismach Libenu, Ki, B'Shem Kutsho Batachnu. What does that mean? It means our happiness comes because He, capital H, gladdens our heart. Why? Ki, B'Shem Kutsho Batachnu. In His holy name, we trust. We had it first. In God we trust. In God we trust. Not necessarily that which is written on the dollar bill, <clears throat> but that which comes from Ador. This is what gives the Jew his happiness. I take this opportunity of wishing everybody a meaningful Chodesh Ador. Mishenichnas Ador, Mar Bimbesimcha, through the Asuli Mikdash, Vishokanti Bisocham. Shabbat Shalom and good Chodesh to all.
JM in the AM. Oh, yes. Welcome to a Friday. It's Erev Shabbos on this Rosh Chodesh Adar. Erev Shabbos Parsha's Trumo with candle lighting at 512 here in New York. Chaim David Burson at Simcha's Olam shall shell us before that with Bissimcha. Hey, Mishanichnas Adar Marvin Bissimcha. Simple as that. Don't forget, Monday, Yoni Pollock will be here for a Washington's birthday or President's Day, I should say, edition of JM in the AM. We'll be in Los Angeles for the um, uh, Maimonides. Uh, School 50th anniversary celebration. Looking forward to that very much and flattered that they've asked me to host that event. Um, so that's going to happen on Monday. Um, that Yoni will be here. And in addition to him being here, don't forget at 12 noon on Monday at the Isaiah Wall, 44th Street, 1st Avenue in New York City, uh, there'll be plenty of organizations holding a protest during the speech by Mahmoud Abbas of the PA at the UN. That's Monday, 12 noon, Isaiah Wall, 44th and 1st. We encourage everybody to be there. Phone number for information, 212-828-2424, 212-828-2424. Heard from the uh, the ones and only down in Florida, listeners Sina and Ira. Um, a huge mazel tov going out to grandchildren, Hannah Miriam Gifter of Staten Island and Yehuda Rosen of Tom's River on their marriage last night. Mazel tov to Hannah Miriam's parents, Rabbi Mrs. Yaakov Gifter. To Yehuda's parents, Mr. and Mrs. Chaim and Hani Rosen, and to all the Gifter and Rosen siblings. Mazel tov to the grandparents, Rabbi Mrs. Benjamin Gifter and Rabbi Mrs. David Presser, all of Flatbush. Special mazel tov to the great-grandparents, Rabbi Shoshana Gifter of Tom's River and Grandma Roberta Eisenman of Suffern. It was an absolutely beautiful simcha from beginning to end. May Chana Miriam and Yehuda be zocha to build a bias on be Yisrael and bring much nachas to our family and to call Yisrael with much love for Bubby and Zaydi. We know them as Ira and Sina down in Florida. All right. More coming up. It is a Friday, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM.
A little bit of Hodu uh, Hashem from Eitan Katz as we uh, celebrate Rosh Chodesh and Hallel. Yedidim Choir before that with Good Shabbos off Shirei Pinchas, volume number three. Time to say Good Shabbos. It's Journeys at JM in the AM.
My brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard a listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSingle.com on the NachumSingle Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Naomi Nachman, she's next with the table for two. Mark Zomek, <coughs> excuse me, the Erev Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That's coming up uh, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Great Erev Shabbos music mix sponsored by Kedem all the way until candle lighting time. And, of course, we thank them. Candlelighting in New York, 512. Keep that in mind. Don't forget, tomorrow night, the Yeshiva University Maccabees close out their regular season. It's going to be uh, a great senior night, that is for sure. That's happening tomorrow night up at YU. Uh, also, the YU's farm sale is on. Take advantage, everybody, up there in Washington Heights, New York. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend. Don't forget, Yoni is here Monday while we're in Los Angeles for a big event uh, for the Maimonides School, Yoni here Monday, uh, President's Day between 6 and 9 a.m. Keep that in mind. If one of those Shabbos, great week. And Matis, Matis, Sunday morning, starting at 7 a.m. and Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night. Ah, uh, that does it. Uh, t- <laughs> have a wonderful Shabbos, great weekend. Until next time, Nahum Seagull reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.